0: There's a good one. Number one in the United States is drug abuse. Today's raids ended in nine arrests in 17. He began pouring illegal drugs from Mexico in the U.S. for decades. We have increased seizures of illegal drugs. Shortages of marijuana are
1: now being reported. A dirty war is erupted. Sanctioned by the Philippines, new president. His orders for his people and his police kill them.
0: Boom. Welcome to the Daily Attic Podcast live stream version featuring our girl, Claudia Mirandi. And our special guest today, we have Derek. He's a pharmacist at CVS. He's a pharmacy manager. Yes. Pharmacy manager. So this is going to be a lot of fun, guys. Um, Thanks for everybody who showed up in the chat. Thanks for everybody that supported the show, for everybody who shared. And we do want to remind you kindly that if you would love to support us please subscribe on any medium that you're listening to if you're on podbean or if you're on apple google stitcher youtube all of them please subscribe leave comments they always help us out and if you really want to um take advantage of the overall wellness and products that support our show Give a shout out to HappyLifeHerbs.com, And at Happy Life Herbals, we have the highest quality CBD products that are third-party tested with each label having a QR code that links to the test reports. And if you're thinking about using CBD for overall wellness in any way, there is a lot of educational uh blogs on the website, so if you have any questions about the endocannabinoid system, dosing, ingredients, um, maybe some of the problems you're having, everything's there, and I believe we have a discount code.
2: Yeah, DAP, I think.
0: If you put in DAP, you will get your shipping paid for. Yeah. Which is usually about five bucks, so. (laughs) It's a little discount there. So, uh, welcome to the show overall. With all the with all that behind us, let's move on. Hey, Claudia, how have you been?
3: Hey, guys, pretty good. You know, just taking it day by day. Um, looking forward to tonight's show. Looking forward to get some questions answered. Why pain patients when they go to the pharmacy, the pharmacist tells them, "I can't fill the script because I don't want to lose my license." Or, um, if you want to fill this script, you have to fill three other non-opioid scripts or the pharmacist calls the doctor and said, you know what? We want to, instead of fill this uh, customer's script for 120 pills a month, we want to only fill 90 pills a month. So we need to get some questions answered. Um, Having said all that, we do have, um, a class action lawsuit that's being filed against large-chain pharmacies because we believe what's happening is illegal, but we're going to ask Derek. Hi, Derek. Welcome to the show.
4: How's it going? Thank you.
3: Thanks for coming on. And um, so, Derek, how long have you been a pharmacist? Uh,
4: It will be 10 years in August. I've been been licensed and um, 14 years total working in... As an intern and a pharmacist.
3: Well, it's a good amount of, you know, you get your degree. And is it pharmacy science?
4: Nope, it's uh it's a doctor of pharmacy degree. It's a, okay. I, It was two years undergrad, four years postgrad, get a, a doctorate degree in the end.
3: Oh, geez. All right. So you put your time in. So you have your six years of education, and then you have to do an internship, I would imagine. Um, and then the you know, step into the world and you're a pharmacist. So let's start from the beginning. Um, you're familiar. Are you familiar with the 2016 CDC guidelines? Which, which ones? recommended that the 90 daily morphine equivalent, uh, for people to take opioids, the CDC recommended, um, God created everybody equally. So nobody should take any more than 90 morphine equivalents. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. which, so uh, I would imagine those, those CDC guidelines have stoked this, um, horrible, uh, we refer to it as a pain patient genocide. So as a pharmacist, once those CDC guidelines came out, did you think to yourself, this is not going to be good. This is going to affect the patient. What were your thoughts?
4: Um, so it if you look at people that are, that are going, how do I want to phrase this? Like the people that are going to pain clinics, like not just your family doc or whatever, but like if you're going to a pain clinic, like 90 is a pretty low number. Um, You know, you look at some things that people are on and they're, they're well beyond 90. So right away when this stuff came out, we, we looked at it and we're like, well, this is going to cause a bunch of problems because this is unrealistic at best.
3: Oh my God, the voice of reason. I love you, Derek. <laughs> uh, so, so you knew this was going to happen. And once these, obviously these guidelines have actually become laws in some states and they're not even 90, some some states have enacted 40 or 50 morphine equivalent that's because lawmakers are stupid and they don't understand pain but they all jumped on the opioid gravy train um so you're in michigan
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and i don't has michigan passed any laws from the pharmaceutical side um lower you know stating it's going to be lower than 90 so when a patient comes to you and their script is 320 daily mmes Is that a problem for you
4: to fill it? No, in Michigan, it's more of uh, the way that that Michigan approached it it, is it wasn't so much like a a daily dose kind of thing. It was how many days of medication are you going to give them at once? So Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, Michigan passed. It was either two or three years ago. I don't remember now, but um, they – And a lot of this stuff, like admittedly, is there's good intentions behind it, but it is poorly implemented. So somebody gets this idea and they say, well, you know, how can we limit it? Well, how about we just let them have seven days at a time? So they don't say, Michigan doesn't say, like, no, you have to cap the dose out at a certain level. They say, if it's an acute situation, you should be giving them no more than seven days worth, however, that works out like however many tablets per day by seven days. That's what Michigan implemented.
3: You know, I don't have a problem with that seven day acute pain. Um, In Rhode Island, I don't even think we're at seven days. Some moron is actually talking about three days. And I said, no, no, we're not, we're going to, we're not going to pass any insanity because if an elderly person has a surgery and they need more than three days, now they have to see the doctor and, Um, you know, get to the office or back and we're in the middle of COVID. So me personally, seven-day acute pain, I'm okay with that. But for the chronic pain patients, what we saw, Eric, Derek, I'm sorry, the beginning of the year, 2019, January, we were getting a massive amount of requests to advocate. People were going to the pharmacy and the pharmacist said, well, we can only fill 14 days. We can't fill the whole script you know why that was
4: happening my guess would be that it's related to insurance because a lot of well and i don't outside of the state of michigan maybe the laws are different like i can't really speculate outside of michigan's laws because i just don't know like i'm i know the fe, mm-hmm. like the general federal ones and then michigan's but like every state kind of does their own thing um but a lot of times when we see restrictions like that it's and, and we still see it now where if somebody um, gets their, let's say they're on a monthly pain medication prescription, that's they're been getting it for years, but they change their insurance first of the year. Just happened to me. The, the, <laughs> now the prescription they've been on is not new to them, but it's new to their insurance. And the insurance will say, this is the first time you're filling it, you can only have this much
2: five days for me it was that's, and then you that, can go every 30 after that right yeah that yep. and
4: that's pretty typical like um uh blue cross does that a lot where it's you can get five days and then if you get a second prescription for it then it's the full they'll cover right. the full thing but my my guess would be in most of those cases it was and they probably weren't getting great information from the pharmacist or pharmacy because that happens a lot like don't get me wrong. There's a lot of crummy pharmacies out there, um, but they probably weren't telling them like, "Hey, your insurance will only cover this much of it." And with a lot of that stuff, you can't break the prescriptions up. So if you if you want what the insurance covers, it voids the remainder of it.
3: Right, right. And but, that's a huge hassle for people because then yeah. they some doctors will hopefully say, "No problem. I'll call in the remainder in two weeks," but that's Yet again, more another barrier for doctors. All right, let's get down to the new Oh, yeah, that's
4: more paperwork What's for that. pharmacists. What's that? Yeah, well, ele- electronic <laughs> prescribing helps a lot. Oh, does that. it? Yeah, where they can just say, okay, yeah, we'll send in a new one in two weeks. Whereas before it was, no, you have to come to the office, right. you have to get a paper script. But now that a lot of it's gone electronic, it's it's easier, but it's still so, a pain in the butt.
3: Yeah, the, so here's the problem with the electronic script. So your doctor, you have your, you know, your visit with your doctor, and your doctor says, "Well, okay, your script has been sent over." So you go to the pharmacy, you pick it up, and the pharmacy says, uh, "We don't have it in stock. We have to, you know, go to another pharmacy." Well, I can't because my doctor sent it over electronically, and the pharmacist says, "Well, too bad." So now you've got a Get on the phone with the doctor. And, you, and you, I tell the patient, ask the pharmacist, look, does another CVS, does another Walgreens have it? And if they're good, pharma- you know, if they're nice people, they'll say, look, this pharmacy has it. We just called. Um, but that's become a huge problem because sometimes three or four pharmacies don't have the medication. Is there an opioid shortage? nationwide or let's start with michigan
4: is there a shortage
3: yeah thanks for uh, oxycodone or whatever
4: well i so so i'm on uh parental leave from work so i haven't been there in seven weeks so i i don't know like <laughs> if there's anything happening it it happens from time to time where will there will be some sort of production issue where like we'll go two or three weeks without being able to get something. I don't know if there's anything like that right now. Um, when I, when I, before I went on leave, um, we were having trouble getting generic Concerta. Uh, so not a lot of happy parents with that one because their kids can't get their ADD medication or ADHD medication. Right, but, right. but I don't, I don't know if there was anything that was, that we were having a problem getting at the time.
3: Okay. Okay. Do you know if the DEA has um, implemented? um, You know, pharmacies are only allowed to, not pharmacies, but we were told that the DEA said you we're going to have another reduction in the amount of opioids that can be produced. Um, What's your knowledge about this? Because coming into 2020, we were down, I think, over 25 percent.
4: I I haven't heard anything, but that wouldn't surprise me. We're already restricted where if we if we try to special order something like if we're if we're trying to get uh, medication for a script we've never filled before, our orders get flagged because they're saying, hey, you you know, why are you upping your order percentage 200 percent on this drug? So it it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened because somebody somewhere probably thought, hey, how can we make sure there's less of these out there? Well, you just can't produce as much. I Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything, no.
3: Okay. And what's your thought about, I don't know if this happens at your pharmacy, but probably 70% of the people we advocate for, they have to fill a non-opioid script with an opioid script. And a lot of times the pharmacy says, oh, the DEA, you know, we can't, we don't want to get in any trouble with our distributor or the DEA. So if you want to fill this, you've got to fill a non-opioid.
4: That sounds like an excuse. (laughs) <laughs> honestly I I like yeah. okay, so there's I mean kind of on the whole thing of like pharmacies and pharmacists refusing prescriptions there's a lot of like I'm not gonna lie there are a lot of really crappy pharmacists out there where they just they do it as a cop-out and they're like oh we can't fill this or they come up with a reason like that I, I used mm-hmm. when I wasn't a manager I used to work for a guy where if the only prescription that a person was bringing in was for pain medication he wouldn't Mm -hmm. fill it unless all of their prescriptions were at the pharmacy
3: right but we we advise clients to do that to get all your scripts filled at one pharmacy
4: yeah and and so i don't but i mean i've never to say that the dea says no you have to have a a non-opioid with an opioid like that might be somebody sending like a mixed message because when you're looking at treatment regimens for pain meds, you're supposed to have like a short acting and a long acting and not too long actings and not too short actings, but it should be one of both. So I don't know if somebody's not saying the right thing, but there are a lot of pharmacists who will see a script and be like, I just don't want to deal with this. Like give it back to them and give them some crap. reason."
3: Why? Why, why do pharmacists not want to deal with it? So, because they lose their license or what, what's the ramifications by filling an opioid script?
4: So you, you can get your, your license. It would take a lot to get your license taken away. Honestly, um, for, for people that work for the big, like the big retail chains, like your big, well-known national pharmacies, a lot of that pressure, um, comes from within the corporation like from within like upper level management and that's in response to the dea and the justice department having hit these chain pharmacies a number of years ago for violations for filling too much or you know i like if you look at some of the stuff that happened in florida not going to name any names of any of the uh the pharmacies but there was several that got their licenses taken away they got a distribution center raided in the middle of the night by the dea so i think there were there like it kind of went from one direction of hey fill 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 everything you can money 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 to hey like don't get us in trouble we're under scrutiny you guys need to start putting your foot down and then people went the total opposite direction where they would fill any prescription and then they swung the other way, and they said, "Now, now we're not going to fill anything."
2: When you say raided, yeah. that's like but guns drawn, like SWATs like, like, for like, a pharmacy.
4: Like <laughs> well, it was a it was a distribution center, and it was thirty guys in the middle of the night kick the door in. Yeah, like
2: trying to <clears throat> break up a meth house or something. Yeah, man.
4: basically. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, 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 what they do. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's so disgusting. That's what they do to the doctor's office. Thirty of them go into a, a clinic, right? And there's, all, there's people sitting in the clinic, and you've got the SWAT team coming in with guns drawn, and they take the doctor. They won't let the doctor speak with the wife. I mean, this is all we deal with, though. So it's so common to us now. And they, you know, they just give us your DEA license. Everything will be fine. Um, they terrorize both the doctor and the patient. And then we started to get notifications that they were doing this to pharmacies. And they were going in and closing the store down and um, doing an audit of the pharmacy, terrorizing the pharmacist. I got a it, question it's more for you, Derek. Bullshit. Hit me.
2: Why in Michigan did we have to choose our opiate or benzos?
4: Um, so that is related to there was some uh, safety concerns because if you're, it's it's not that you have to choose between them. So this is another thing with people not getting the right message, right? It's, it's not that you can't take both of them. It's if you are taking an opioid and you get put on a Benzo, um, the risks of, uh, respiratory depression, which can happen with an opioid overdose is the risk is increased because it, it lowers your threshold for it. So that that's, it's funny that that question gets asked that way because. Um, Michigan implemented the start talking form, I think it's called where the doctor's office has to, um, document that they've done this counseling, like, Hey, you're at an increased risk. If you take these medications together, you just, you need to know about this. And then like, when we see the scripts, we'll tell them like, Hey, you know, you're on these together. You've got this risk. Yeah. You just, you gotta be careful. You gotta watch out because it, you know, but that's what it turned into though, is that suddenly it was like, okay, you can't take these together. And it's like, like, I mean, nobody said that.
2: And a lot of people have been taking them together for years safely.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and if you, uh, you know, if you fall on the ice during the winter and you strain your back or something, guess what you're getting put on? You're getting put on a muscle relaxer and a pain medication. And a lot of the muscle relaxers are, are benzos. So, but, but yeah, that's another thing where it it was something implemented with good intentions. And then it, somebody tells somebody, yeah. The game of telephone gives yeah. you the wrong, the wrong thing in the end.
3: And, and I think it's great protocol. What I did in Rhode Island with my legislation, I wanted to include the pharmacist because I wanted the pharmacist to know you're safe because we have legislation. And it was just, just you got to fill the script. But after you have a consult with the patient, and if need be, contact the doctor, so everybody is in the safe zone. Um, and, but my pharmacy board pushed back and I said, we're not ready to be told we have to fill a script. So, you know, we have to work harder on this issue, but I'm all for protocol. I think it's a great idea. I'm a mom to teens and I need to know if there's going to be an interaction with any medications. And, you know, we advocate most, I want to say close to 99% of the pain community has to choose from their doctors. Their doctors say right off the bat, I'm not prescribing both, pick one. Is it pain or is it anxiety? And you're like, holy shit, I got to, I lost my legs in the war. Now, is it my pain that's more concerning or my PTSD from serving? And it's just more, it's just another disgusting vile attack on the pain patient that was fueled by that little man, Andrew Kolodny, prop, shatterproof, fed up. I'm going off on a rant. I'm done. Hey, we have
0: Doc yeah. Harley. We have Doc Harley here calling in. And we're That's gonna, my partner. We're That's gonna, my partner, Doctor
3: Feldman.
5: We're, uh-huh. we're going to so take a know.
0: call here. Here we go. Welcome to the show. Can you hear
5: me? Can you hear me? Okay.
0: I can hear you fine.
5: Great, great. Well, I tuned in a little late. I understand we have a, a, a pharmacy uh, uh, expert on the line with us. Is that correct?
2: Yes, it is. Expert might be generous, but. <laughs> well. He's going to take it. Well,
5: Thanks, <laughs> well listen, uh, uh, I'm, I'm an old doctor, been around this rodeo for, for decades, many decades. And I, I, I have a wife that has a chronic pain condition, and, and I have a very a simple observation, a couple of observations, and, and I'd like to know from the pharmacy world whether what I'm experiencing is 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 appropriate or or, or, or legal or... Uh, you know, whatever your thoughts are. So my wife and I uh, go to a pharmacy the other day and we are told, well, two things happen. Number one, uh, the pharmacist says, well, the the, the medication that my wife took was something she's been taking for 20 years. Uh, Oxycodone, 15 milligrams, four times a day, 120 pills, one month supply. And this pharmacy has filled this, uh, you know, for a year, and they say, "Well, we're not filling 120 pills anymore. We, we we don't think we have to do that." So you have to get your doctor to change it. Number two, they say you have to bring four non-opiate prescriptions to fill for each opiate prescription that we fill for
2: you. Oh does.
5: <laughs> so my my wife's copay for. Ten medications, of which she only needed two, was five hundred ninety-five dollars. Hmm. So, hey, hey doc, the, do
0: you have us? Hey doc, do you have us on speaker?
5: Uh, uh, you, no, I am on on earphones.
0: Uh, oh, are yeah, you on earphones? So okay. okay, I just okay. hear an yeah. echo when we talk, but um, no, we're good.
5: So, so is that is that something that uh, other people are experiencing, or uh, I mean, I think I know why that's happening, but what what are your thoughts
4: um so ex- excluding something like i said earlier with the insurance just flat out saying we're not going to pay for that many tablets anymore
0: hey like, doc i'm going to disconnect and he's going to he'll answer your question but i'm going to disconnect because there's a there's a feedback there okay
5: okay sure no
4: problem
0: okay go ahead derek
4: so so if, if there if there's no restriction from the insurance like for them to just say no, we don't want to do this many. Like we're just gonna dictate how many tablets you're getting. That's bullshit. Like that's absolutely like why would you do that? Like why are you unless they're under some other direction or or if they have some uh, I don't want to say guideline, but you know if they if if they got some instruction they're in that Florida. Was, that's Florida. okay. so I, I mean I know Florida's a lot stricter with their stuff because of what's happened yeah. down there um so unless like maybe this and this is just theoretical maybe the state of florida says well you should only be doing two weeks at a time but if that's not the case for the pharmacy to say like now we're just not going to do this that's ridiculous like i like if, if if that pharmacist worked for me like if i was his boss i would be like dude what like you can't do this to people like it you're pissing people off you you can't it's not up for you to decide that um And as far as like you have to bring so many non like non opioid prescriptions to get an opioid, well, what if that's the only thing that you're taking? Or now you're now you're talking about filling medications that you don't even need. So now you've got these laying around, potential safety issue. Like if you know, if somebody had little kids and now they've got this stuff in their house they don't need, you're putting extra cost into the healthcare system. Like that's in your body, your body. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and if you know, she doesn't need them and she's just going to put them in the cupboard and she has to do that every month. Now suddenly she's got six months worth of something she's not taking just sitting there and how many thousands of dollars in unnecessary spending is that even when you
3: Derek, Derek, they tell Dr. Feldman, well, it's because of the DEA. What what about the DEA? What, what, what's happening? And they mention ratios. What, what's this, what are we talking about ratio so
4: unless uh something's happened and like since i've been off work in the last seven weeks like i've never heard of this before like and usually even when when major stuff like that happens like i follow a couple of facebook pages that'll do news updates and things like that um you know i don't i don't know where that whole ratio thing is coming from because you can't like you can't just blanket apply that to everybody like you're saying if i have to be on pain medication i have to be on five medications like what yeah so, so I, don't, yeah. I don't know i don't know where that's coming from
2: i do hear that a lot though people it, say that they have they have to get oh, an OPA, yeah. but they have to get three or four different you know yeah.
4: it, I took is there a, a, nurse is there a doctor the ratio or I don't know. you so, know see that's that's the thing because like so i can see where they said like okay you know if it's a situation where um, like they're starting at the top of the treatment, where they're like, "Yeah, you're. We're gonna start you on the strongest pain medication." And it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't go right for the big guns, but like I, I've never heard of this ratio thing or the DEA saying, you know, you have to get these other scripts to get your pain meds. Like, like I said, unless that's changed in the last six weeks, but I've not, I've never seen no, anything this has like been
3: that happening a lot. Did Dr. Feldman hang up?
2: It, okay. Yeah, we had to disconnect them because there was a lot of feedback from his end. We, oh, okay. we got another, Sorry. we got another caller here with another question.
0: Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Hello. call. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, you're coming hi. in. Hi, my name you got a is Edie. Question?
1: Claudia has helped me before. Um, I, Hello, hi, Edie. How are you? Oh, I remember helping Edie. Well, oh,
3: that was yeah. a show in Florida.
1: So I have. I'm in Florida. Breast. I had breast cancer. I have multiple um, issues. I've had Guillain-Barré syndrome. I could go on and on and on. I have the nerve, facial nerve, all those things.
4: Trigeminal. Um,
1: yes. I have intracranial hypertension. I have like all these confirmed conditions. <laughs> um, And they're all, they're pretty painful. You know, I have osteoarthritis, degenerative disc, just anyways, lupus anyways. So I go to the Walgreens I've been going to for two, three years. Um, And I, uh, let me back up a second in 2014, I had to move from Miami to Tampa because of my paralysis and I was going through a divorce. So I came to live with my brother who could take care of me and my sister, me and my daughter. So, um, I slowly started getting my doctors over here Well, pain doctors wouldn't see me here. They just wouldn't make any appointments. So I have to travel back to Miami every six weeks to go see my pain management doctor that I've been going to since 2011. Um, my insurance has called my primary, all these people have called on my behalf to different pain, places around here, pain management, and they all either say they don't treat all my conditions or they won't treat me because of, um, how complicated my history is. So I went to this Walgreens, been going to it for two years and I walk in to get, I get the lot I get 120 to lot in a month and I take morphine every 12 hours. Um, and they refuse to fill it because my mm-hmm. doctor's in Miami. And I explained to her the situation and I said, Look, I've been coming here for two years, same doctor, same medication, hasn't increased the dose, the, the quantity, nothing has changed. And they absolutely refused. Um, I brought in all my medical records, Claudia called. The lady ended up hanging up on Claudia and refused to even Uh-oh. talk to her. She wouldn't give me just one month to at least go <laughs> here. You have a month to go find another place. And I'm like, I'm gonna be out in three days, you know. It took about two and a half weeks for me to finally find a pharmacy that would fill. Um, And the lady in Walgreens told me, the pharmacist, it was a pharmacy manager, said, well, then you just need to drive back to Miami and get them filled there. And I was like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I can't go back every month to fill my medication. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Well then i really don't know what to tell you i brought in letters from my insurance and from my primary showing proving that they too tried to get me in with pain management locally and could not and she still wouldn't accept those whatsoever and i did go back to miami and miami wouldn't fill it because my Mm -hmm. license was in tampa so I'm like, I, and that was at a CVS and a Walgreens that refused to fill it because I live out of the County. And so eventually I found a mom and pop that would fill it, but is that something that's mandatory? Like you have to fill in your County, like within a certain amount of,
4: or certain time miles.
1: For, miles, yes. To the pharmacy right, from my home or no. the doctor's office to the pharmacy.
4: No, it, so th- so there's a this is a complex answer to this. and um, so, for example, state of Michigan has in our public health code that one of the elements that we use to evaluate a prescription in what's called the good faith dispensing, okay. meaning meaning like you're looking at these prescriptions and you're trying to determine like, is this legit medical care, or is this some guy that's pumping out? Three hundred pain prescriptions a day, and he's just cashing in. Is it a pill mill type situation? Derek,
3: Derek, can I ask a question? While sure. I forget, before I forget, sure. Isn't 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 it required? I know when I was in pain management, my script had the bo- on the bottom. The Cro- severe Crohn's disease, a lower large small intestine. The diagnosis was on there for the pharmacist. Is that a thing in Michigan? Isn't that no. required? No,
4: it's not. Okay. No, here it's required Um, in Florida. And that's because Florida has gotten stricter since the mid two thousands because of the stuff that was happening down there. Um, But one of the things that they tell us to look at is geography. Like, does it make sense? Like where this person lives, where the doctor is, is there a reasonable explanation? So to give you a good example of something that I would look at, like for that. So we're up here in mid Michigan Mm-hmm. And if I were to see a prescription from, say, Ann Arbor, well, okay. that's two hours away from here. Is there a good reason this prescription's coming from Ann Arbor? Well, then you look at the prescription, you're like, oh, this is from the University of Michigan's Cancer Center. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Let's, you know, they're specialists. Like, people go down there all the time, Which, right? Which,
1: by the way, my doctor is out of the University of Miami um, Sylvester Cancer Center, and it says for- it on my prescription.
4: So, and so what some of these some of these big chains have done is that they have this set of steps that we have to use. When we look at these, like where we're actually documenting on forms that we checked this, we checked this, we did this. And a lot of people that a lot of pharmacists have started using the geography as a cop-out
1: gotcha. where they're
4: just like, Oh, this isn't from our area. I'm not filling it. And then they don't, they don't want to look at it any further. So it would, it would, it would be like if somebody came up here to where I work and I had a script from Detroit or, mm-hmm. you know, if or even out of state, like from Chicago, I've seen stuff from Chicago. I've seen tons of stuff from Florida because we have a lot of snowbirds that travel mm-hmm. back and forth. It would be like, if I just looked at it and said, no, this isn't from the county we're in. You so can't... I'm done. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I get, you know, so there's pressure on us from one side where they're like, you need to be making sure these things make sense. But on the other hand to just be like well no this is from another city i'm not doing it that is 100 a cop out
1: and what was frustrating to me was one she they've been filling at that actual location for over two years they have been filling my scripts like i said same doctor same medication same quantity same dose nothing has changed and i said to her when she said well he's out of the county i said every prescription Mm -hmm. i have i have 14 prescriptions i take a month two of them are opioids, the rest are other things that, and I said, you, they're all from doctors in Miami and you fill those. And she said, well, that's completely different. And I was like, well, it doesn't make any sense because everything at the end of the day is controlled because it's through the FDA. And second, everything is too much of anything is bad for you. Too much vitamins is bad for you. Like, so, I I told her, I said, I could see if I was a new person walking in off the street or not willing to open up my entire history with you, whatever it may be, I'm willing to do. You can pull my urines and my my labs and all that and see that I am by the book doing it the way I'm supposed to. And she just wouldn't have anything to do with it. And Claudia can testify to that because she tried and she called her and she literally hung up on Claudia. Yeah.
3: And I think Edie is one of the plaintiffs in the, um, class action lawsuit. So, hey, uh, Edie, thanks so much for okay. calling in. Thank you know, you. I, I think the most, um, I think the most important question is, you know, Dr. Feldman just, uh, commented, what is legal? That's the question. Is this legal for pharmacists to say you have to fill a non-opioid? And I have witnessed this. I have taken people to the pharmacy, um, not knowing, I'm an advocate, and I'm always very polite, and I so, say yes. You know, you know, we would like you. We suggest that you still a non-opioid. Why? How much friggin' Coley does this person need? She doesn't right. need coles. Um, Is this legal? We don't think it's legal. We, I think this is a form of racketeering. I don't know.
4: Um, I, I don't know if I'd say legal. Um, but, and one other thing before I forget um on Edie's call was the the easiest way that a new pharmacy could have looked at that is Florida has a prescription drug monitoring program and they could have pulled up oh, her, yeah. they could have pulled up her history and seen she had been on this. They could have called the pharmacy she had been filling at. So that to me that's you know that's a it was a cop out. But um you know I that's, oh. that's, somebody, that's somebody that's running scared for their license and they just don't want to have any. They're worried that somebody's going to say, what a why. Shame. Well, they're going to, they're going to, they're, that person is worried that somebody's going to come to them and say, Why did you fill this prescription? Which, or right. well,
2: maybe right. we we're should right. work at McDonald's then if we're scared of filling. It's a, it's a, you
3: know, it's, you just, know? <laughs> it's the continuation of the attack on the pain patient. You know, a pain patient only has about a 40% chance. I don't even think it's that high, maybe 30% chance of getting in to see a doctor, a pain management doctor. And I, you know what? You shouldn't have to go to a pain management center to um, have your pain treated. Your primary care physician should be the one treating um, a, a part, their patient's pain, their diabetes. Um, but, you know, not, so, God, 80% of the population, nobody can get a primary care physician if you have if you're a chronic pain patient.
4: So I know I know hey, around Derek. I know around here a couple of the the practitioners I've talked to they actually defer to pain management just because it's a standard of care thing where they have you know they have the extra education for it but it you know it depends on kind of pain you're treating too. Um,
3: well, I mean, yeah. there are those those pain management centers we refer to those as drill mills. Um, these are anesthesiologists. There's really no need for a person with Crohn's disease to see an anesthesiologist. Agreed. Your gastroenterologist should be treating your pain. And if you have MS lupus or luderic, you're a neurologist. But these doctors um, have sent a loud and clear message. We stop prescribing, go to a pain management center. You can't get into a pain management center. And if you do, you're going to be treated like a malingering, drug-seeking addict. You're subjected to these urine drug screens, which are actually used against the doctor now. They were supposed to be either to protect the doctor, but the Department of Justice just uses that as another tool to attack the doctor. But I digress. Let's talk about you mentioned a, a raid of a distribution center. Hey, bef-
0: Claudia, Claudia, real quick, we have a question here. Uh, Brad, your, uh, connection Brad is your connection is bad. You're gonna to have to try again, buddy. Alright, let's back to the distribution center you're talking about.
4: Can I make one more comment yeah, real quick?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um,
4: so, so the thing about the is it legal? Um, I would look at that from the opposite side where it's it's not so much. Um, is it legal to say, you have to fill another script with it. But I know a lot of states have it where it is. Uh, the, there's a thing called a pharmacist right to refusal where you can mm-hmm. refuse to fill any prescription. That being said, it's supposed to be for a valid reason, but a lot of people use that as a, a CYA fallback. Right. So, really? and, you know, yeah, it's, it, it oh. would be, it would be hard to, it, you know, if you were going to take something to court, it would be hard to go <coughs> and say, well, well, well this pharmacist, Excuse me. <laughs> it would be hard because it would hard to be to say, well, you know, he wouldn't fill this prescription he wouldn't do this and a, a lot of the public health codes have that written in where pharmacists can do that but again that's you know it's it's supposed to be based on valid sound reasoning which and, and isn't you would the think case.
3: you know if you're if, but you would think if you're at a CVS or a Walgreens you would want to keep the customer happy but right. it, it's bad enough with the you know the pain patient drives to their pain management visit like filled with angst wondering is today the day I get cut off and Andrew Kalodney, that that you know what from prop he'll say well that's because they're addicts and an addict is always looking for their next fix no no that's because these are very sick people and there's a good chance that you will be cut off because your doctor just doesn't want to write the script but if you're fortunate to have a doctor who's willing to treat your, your pain, you're a legitimate pain patient, now you drive to the pharmacy with your hands, you know, clenched on the steering, you're white knuckling it to the pharmacy. And a lot of these people have to drive four, 500 miles to, between their doctor and their pharmacy. And this is every four weeks. This is some bullshit. This is really, we're in such a dire situation. Um, it's just that the, the never-ending attack on the disabled person, it's just disgusting. But I want to talk about the, the, the distribution center. So the pharmacy is, you know, that's the store because a lot of people don't understand the difference between, you've got the manufacturer, Derek, those are the people mm-hmm. that make the drug. Mm-hmm and from the manufacturer they get sent to the distribution center where do they how does this
4: work so so what you would have is uh you have some type of wholesaler um so some places use a company called Amerisource Bergen uh some -hmm. people use McKesson there's Cardinal and it's they're they're your suppliers basically so um A lot of the places are using these companies now where we used to have our own warehouses where we kind of had things stockpiled. And then, uh, you know, so like if it were, let's say Walgreens, like Walgreens had a warehouse. The, The warehouse would acquire the drugs from the wholesaler. It would then go to the warehouse and then the warehouse distributes it to the stores via like Weekly deliveries, twice a week deliveries, just like they would with any other merchandise. But um, a lot mm-hmm. of them, a lot of them now don't have their own warehouses, uh, and now they just strictly use those distributors. So they get an order every day from McKesson, or they get, you know, they get a delivery every day from Amerisource Bergen. So it's you know you you're you get a replenishment based on what you're like running inventory is using.
3: Okay, and do you have um, the DEA? Well, that's where we're having the issues with the DEA. At that, is it a narrow Is that where the problem would be with the DEA? Where's the DEA coming into this equation?
4: So, it it used to be the it was with the warehouses where, you know, they would say you're only allowed to have so much on hand. You're only allowed to ship so much um now that places a lot of them don't have their own warehouses it would go to that wholesaler or distributor or whatever you want to call them so it would be like an Amerisource Bergen they would you know they would be the ones where they say well you're you can only like store and and the way they would actually do it is they would put the restrictions on the stores they would say well this location is only allowed to get this much of this drug and, right. then, and then the That's the distributor it. has to abide by that.
3: yeah, And I think I, I think when I spoke with the pharmacy, he said it goes by you know how the amount of people that live in the area, the size the, you know they take into consideration mm-hmm. uh, the distance or I don't know what the it hell he was talking the, about. The
4: historical use. There's a lot of stuff that that goes into it.
3: Okay. so you are so the pharmacist puts in the order um going by like the past month or the past two months so if you put say 400 patients that um, are on opiates and those 400 patients have been steady customers does that come into do you take that into consideration when you're ordering your inventory
4: yes so a lot of it's automated okay. um so the the uh place that i work Uh, Ours is all done based on a a historical 12-week running total. So it looks at, it's like, it'll say, what did you use today? And what is your trend over the last 12 weeks? So it says, okay, on average, you're going to need this much of this drug for the next however many days. So it automatically replenishes a lot of stuff. And then we always have an option where we can manually add things if the software misses it on an auto order or something like that, we can order stuff ourselves.
3: So this, you know, I'm happy to hear, well, you've been on parental leave. So who knows when you come back in? you know, the next few weeks, maybe you're going to walk in and have you witnessed um, a pharmacist profiling of patients? Um, how do I phrase this? Well, I'm just going to say it. A lot of my black patients can't get their scripts filled. And I believe that these, you know, they're, they're profiled, but I believe all patients who take opiates are profiled now. Have you witnessed this behavior, Garrett?
4: Um, yeah, I'd be a liar if I said that that doesn't happen in a lot of places.
3: That's too bad. That makes me sad to know that a person's skin color is a barrier from them getting the medication they need. That's. God, that that really, really angers me. But it's all patients now who need opiates. And I know so many people when they go to the pharmacy, they make sure they're dressed up and they look a certain way and they speak a certain way. I've never had an issue at the pharmacy, but I think my pharmacist dies just a little every time I walk into the pharmacy with a patient. Um, So I've not had issues. (laughs) But I've known my pharmacist for thirty years. Um, but all, I, I but I see the way pharmacists treat people when they, you know, they look at the script and they and they judge. There's that judgment there. We need to work on that. You know, I think pharmacists need a refresher course in humanity. But I also question the legality, like how how not. And you know what, you can't have corporate backing up saying look we we you know we we support our provide well, our pharmacists when they say nope we're not filling it we stand behind them um, so it's just I don't know it's a really it's just a really horrible situation like I said it's it's another attack on the pain patient. So how we, can you yeah go ahead
4: Oh just gonna say um, we actually we had uh, our for our whole company we had to do um, some bias training last year. Mm -hmm. where they sent us down and it it was basically what you were talking about like you know not not making um like not jumping to conclusions not judging people based on appearance like being a little more empathetic with people's situations it was it was kind of exactly what you were talking about it was like you know but it was one three-hour session and not gonna lie there's a lot of people who i know that i've worked with could use more than a few yeah, I mean, if you've been doing the
2: same thing for 10 years, it's hard to break that. Habit. Yeah.
4: Yeah. One, one, three hour PowerPoint thing's not going to no. change the way that some of these people behave.
2: They should send secret shoppers in to actually test them. That's not a bad idea.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now we need to work on legislation. Or send in um, or send uh, Claudia
0: in with every patient.
3: <laughs> yeah. Shit. Fly, yeah. No, fly me out to every location. And you know, we have patients that say, I want Claudia or Dr. Selman come with me to buy pain management visit not from pain management such as like oh you can't take somebody back there with you really you want to make a bet so it's just you know because you're so fearful to advocate for yourself because you don't know if you're going to say the right thing and I know when myself or Dr. Feldman are brought in we, we don't want to jeopardize a patient care but we also want to give the provider um, a sense of Safety, uh, and we want to let the provider know, look, we know what you're going through. We know what you're going through as a pharmacist. This is a legitimate chronic pain patient. The pendulum has swung far, far the other way. And now nobody can receive pain management. Nobody can receive opiates. And, you know, I think the pain community, they're just battered. We've been beat up, kicked to the curb, and people... You know they'll come home and say, "Oh my God, I was shorted a pill, or I was shorted two pills, um, or you know, I think I have a sugar pill. I don't think this is a you know, I don't think this is real med you know medication." Um, so I think everybody's just so not ner- just nervous; they're just afraid. You know, they've been through so much. Like Edie, Edie has multiple chronic illnesses, and you just wonder, where is the humanity? I actually think the pharmacists, I think that's an easy fix. I think with some legislation addressing, look, we've got to work on um, educating our pharmacists, teaching them, um, check your bias at the door, because I think providers, you know, I think doctors need to check their bias at the door as well. So it's just an ongoing discussion that needs to be had. Having said all of this, we do have, you know, Dr. Feldman contacted a law firm 19 months ago, and we had to teach the lawyers, look, this is what's happening at pharmacies. This is the thing. And I put out a call for action, like over 600 people responded, yes, this happens to me at the pharmacy all the time. So I think um, this country only responds to litigation. So litigation, they shall have. It's been 19 months of teaching lawyers what's happening at the pharmacy. And my, you know, my prayers are that this class action lawsuit will rectify all of these issues and give pharmacists that, you know, that safety net. Derek, let's talk about the board of pharmacy and how pain patients can have a voice. What's step one if they encounter a real hateful pharmacist? Who refuses to fill their script? What what recourse do they have? That's a good question.
4: Well, so so usually the first thing most people do is they they call we call it the hotline, they uh, that one eight hundred number that's you know goes to every corporations or whatever. Um, but in terms of like board of pharmacy, you can uh, at least with the state of Michigan you can on uh, the Lara website, which is licensing and regulatory something something agency yeah agency yeah they do they do all of the the health professional licensing there's actually I think there's a spot on there where you can submit complaints against a license so mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how uh, how bad it would have to be before Lara actually got involved.
0: And there's another I know uh, there's the, com- the consumer protects it a protection agency in michigan and uh, that's their number one that's their number one goal is against companies that you know commit fraud or do not uphold their obligation uh in an agreement so that is with i don't know if it's i would imagine it's with all companies because i've used it so there's different there's different agencies too that people can go to that may put pressure on either that location or that corporation by having to answer the questions you know if they have to answer to a government agency they're a little more serious than um if they have to answer you know to to a person on the phone that that doesn't have a title or something but while i have you both here we're gonna wrap the show up pretty soon here but i wanted to get because i have here a patient advocate uh our girl that's dealt with a lot of pharmacists uh, over the years in trying to fill scripts or have problems. And I also have, we have the joy of having Derek here, who's a pharmacist who's probably had it from the other end uh, where maybe a patient advocate has come in and, you know, try, you know, advocated for a patient on, on, on that end against him. So I was, I was wondering for for me, for my personal wait,
3: I just wait. I'm to ask one more question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, one you're more. good. This no, you're good. You're, you're okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Derek, this is a thing. Not only my menopause, but this is a thing. Another patient um, went to get her script pills and CVS said, well, we're only going to give you 90 for the month instead of 120. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> the doctor said the script is 120. And she said, well, we are, we're going to call the doctor and we're going to have a discussion, but we're only filling 90. Can you alter a
4: script? Um, it depends on what it's for. And so, if it, I know, so the best example I can give that's relevant to this is that um, it's not so bad anymore, but in the city of Saginaw here, there was a problem for a long time with uh, overprescribing of cough syrup and what a lot of pharmacies that
2: promethazine
4: yeah yeah promethazine (laughs) with codeine yep the good the purple drink you know good stuff um we would see a lot of prescriptions that were written for a pint or you know 500 ml's
2: coming with two gallons (laughs) (laughs)
4: yeah yeah.
2: so the
0: the the tell talk the telltale sign of that is when they have four, two liters of Sprite, and they're coming to fill their <laughs> and, script. I'm and, just saying in a bag of airheads or, <laughs> or
4: something to in there, you know? Um, but, so funny. Oh, my God. He's not wrong. Um, so what a lot of places started doing was they would say, Okay, well, we're, um, you can't get all of it at once, like, we'll fill, we'll fill it eight ounces at a time instead of giving you the whole pint and then the remainder of it would function like a refill. So positives and negatives to that, you're...
2: But you'd still get the same quantity, just...
4: Ex- you'd have to pay for it twice, though. That's true. now you've got 2 copays, co-pays, which, which is the crappy part about it. Um, because the way that, that the dispensing laws are is as long as it is not a Schedule Two controlled substance, you can elect to receive any... the quantity so if you have a script that's for 30 tablets and you're like no i only want 10 now and in 10 days i'll come back and get the other 20. that's fine you can do that if it's a schedule 2 and it's written for 30 tablets and you say i want 10 those other 20 are gone like you cannot yeah no you can't break
3: up the script no so
4: it's void so so if they're doing that with a prescription where they're saying well we're only going to give you 90 we're going to cap this at 90 and you're losing out on the other thirty. If it is something like a schedule two, I, I don't. We don't. We don't really do that because you're not on a on a schedule two. You're not supposed to be able to. You can't even. You can't even call the doctor's office and say. Hey, can we change the quantity or the strength on this? It's
2: probably like Hitler or something. Isn't it? Well, no, you can't. No. You
4: can't alter it. You're basically it's a fraudulent right. prescription at that point. So, That's true. Like you can't. Which there is, you
3: go. Fraudulent prescription. <clears throat> Those are the words I'm looking yeah. for.
4: Yeah, because you okay. you can't. There there are certain things that you can change and certain things that you can't change. And with the with the C twos, there's very few things that you can change. And you know, unless the person says to you, like, no, I'll. I only want this many. I don't. I don't know that they can really make that decision for them. I don't know. I guess. I guess I don't know what the what the bottom line in terms of like on paper. Public I know what it is. Law. And I, I. I. don't know. It's. I wouldn't do it though. Whoa. I can tell you that much. I wouldn't do it. All right.
3: What in, doesn't um, Walgreens and CVS have an opioid prescribing policy when it comes? They must have a policy. That's you know, on their website or, I
4: mean, everybody has a policy. So there is, um, can't really talk about what either of those places might have, but I can tell you that there is an internal policy that has to be followed that um, I think both of them have, for a while there was actually a paper checklist that had to be filled out with every prescription. Or like you had to mark it off, sign it, date it, put all this stuff on it. Um, you know, if you if you go on their website, you're gonna get this bland blanket statement. Right, right. Know, the
3: boilerplate policy. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. But I I can tell you that well, they're internally for for everywhere there's something that says like, hey, this is what you need to be doing. But crazy. I don't think cha- I don't think it's changing crazy. quantities is in it though. So can
3: you imagine? I mean, a changing a quantity. And, and people would say, oh, that doesn't happen. It happens every day. It happened to Dr. Feldman. It just happened. We're not giving you 120. We're giving you 90. Excuse me? And uh, no, that's altering. And this he's a doctor. Al- yeah, altering. That's, that's
4: have... the word is you're you're altering the prescription. That's.
3: Wow. Oh, mm. This blows my mind. You know, just I always say I'm speechless, but not really. I I just cannot believe what this community endures day in and day out. Derek, you've been really helpful. You should write a Dear Derek column, <laughs> or you know what you should do, Derek. You should be an expert and make 450 bucks an hour testifying.
4: Well, I'm actually Keep charging that mind, Tim for this. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I'll tell you, it's a good gig, but it's um. You've been just a, you know you've been helpful. I know. Uh, I know. Earlier in the day, we weren't sure if you were going to show up for this interview. But okay, I'm glad you I got to
0: interrupt you though. I got menopause. Okay, okay? I got to interrupt you real quick, <laughs> Derek. Okay,
3: go ahead, Claudia.
0: <laughs> Claudia. Yeah. I yeah. want to know from both of you. It could be a story. It can be something in general. But what's your general experience when you are going to, you know, you're either calling or going to a pharmacy to represent a patient and Derek, how that is from your side in general. Um, Is it usually pleasant? Is it something that's, you know, is it escalated? Does it involve any, you know, yelling, screaming, swearing? Can it, I mean, I'm not familiar with either side. So I just was curious. I never, I mean, I'm always
3: calm. Yeah, I, when I if I'm over the phone, it's frustrating because the pharmacist is like, "No, nope, I shared my when when I advocate and I have to call a Southern pharmacist like, ma'am, I told the pay, I told the customer I don't feel comfortable feeling this and that she's free to go to another. Oh, Look, stop. That's not that's not a legitimate reason. What's the problem? But I I always keep the peace. I'm there to keep the calm, and I've never had um. Uh, I mean, I'm, I handle things a little differently than most, but I've not had a situation. I I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. contrary to what the world believes. I I want the the pharmacist to feel comfortable. I just want clarity, right? And I think if if pharmacists, if more pharmacists were like Derek, and you know, you take the patient aside, the customer, and you say, "Well, this is," you know this is what's happening and this is what we can do. And this is why we can't do what you need us to do. Then I'm cool with it, but don't give me some bullshit story. Well, the DEA said, well, let me see what the D de- is it in writing. What are you talking about? Because my mom is 84. She doesn't know what the DEA is. If you ever said that to my mom, she'd be like, Oh, well, what's that? The DEA.
2: The
0: <laughs> so
3: yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I I just want people to be honest. Same with doctors. Like, dude, be honest with me. I'll have more respect for you if you say I don't want to. I'm not prescribing. I'm I'm not losing my license. Same with the pharmacist.
4: So quick quick aside, and we could uh, maybe get into this another time. That bit about you know the pharmacist not telling you why they refused it. It's usually written into the policy that we are not allowed to tell you why we're refusing it, other than that we're refusing it because it doesn't meet our our standard or our policy.
3: Holy shit! I get. I need to see this internal policy now, Derek.
4: <laughs>
3: oh my god! See now you just you're getting me all riled up again. Yeah, so yeah,
4: I know I I almost didn't want to open that can of worms, but I'm like, ah, it's, it's there. It's, yeah. So yeah. listen,
3: it's a policy for you to not discuss the policy
4: it it is yeah it's fight club yeah nobody talks about fight club yeah yeah it 100 percent is like we have this you know we have this one paragraph set of canned lines saying that like here at blah 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 pharmacy we take your safety and into our highest concern and but i can't fill your prescription because it doesn't meet our qualifications and standards. blah 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 number one question every time i've ever had to do it well why it's like I'm sorry, I can't tell you. It's an internal policy.
2: Doesn't that just suck, man? That you can't it like.
4: It like, like and it
2: makes you the bad guy.
4: It does too, because <laughs> like there are times where it's like, man, I really don't want to have to do this, but like I have to. And then they're like, well, I don't understand. Like I legit don't understand why you won't fill my prescription. I'm like, look, I would love to be able to tell you this, but I actually and, and you can't. know what,
3: Derek, I I would imagine as a pharmacist, you have to concentrate. You have to focus. And when you get a patient, a customer like that in the middle of the day, I I would be a nervous wreck. You know, it would throw off my mojo. And now you have to get back to making sure you don't screw up. Because one of my first cases as a court reporter, the pharmacist dispensed the wrong medication and... A baby was dead because of it oh. so i would imagine something like that is really nerve-wracking and if you get two of those patients a day that's going to set you up for one shitty day
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know so it's just I'm, I'm so glad you were able to come on to us and
2: yeah so um, we
0: should be more mad at the corporations than, we, well, than pharmacists it's it's the dea putting pressure on them too you know if they didn't oh, have right. to do if they didn't have to report pill counts to the dea They wouldn't have to do ratios. We all know that it's going on. It's just, you know, it's they, they attacked instead of trying to handle the abuse that or, you know, the abuse of the system, the abuse of the healthcare, the abuse of the addiction community, they put a blanket policy across. And that's the problem with having big chain pharmacies over the mom and pop places that we used to have is that, you know, once they have an internal policy for 20, 30,000 locations, now everybody slips through the cracks that really needs it because now they're getting caught up in these policy. You can't make a blanket policy because every person is a case by case basis. Every, not every person like, uh, uh, the lady that was on earlier, I forgot her name has seven or eight chronic pain conditions, you know, and not every person needs, you know, um, two or three two or three different prescriptions to validate their opioid prescription. You know, I just think it's I think it's fucking ridiculous. And
4: and I'll tell you too, like, we wouldn't we wouldn't be at this point if in you know, I 15 years ago, if a lot of pharmacists had stepped up when they were getting the bogus prescriptions and saying like, No, dude, this is clearly like, this is clearly, like, you don't need... You don't 300... need a thousand of well, these. Well, <laughs> no, like, there were, there were people handing in prescriptions for 360 Oxycontin 80 milligrams. They've got an Ohio driver's license, the doctor's in Florida, Please. and they're up in Traverse City, Michigan, and it's like, okay, you know, something's fishy here. I'm not gonna
2: right. lie. I went and got a bottle of, uh, it was a six-month supply, and they gave it to me. No insurance, paid cash. Really? It was a well, big old, it was, it was like, oh, like, yes. like, eight years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs>
2: no,
3: that's another question. One more question on my last weekend. Last question, last ever. one, <laughs> last one. I promise. Can people pay cash for their script? Yes, okay. Because some pharmacies, like, I you can't you pay cash. Well, yeah. I just no. pay cash for my hormone replacement it's therapy, which sent me back 300. Yes.
2: Some tell you got insurance, another you have cop to use out.
4: it. That's so, yeah, that is 100%. Like, uh, if they're saying, well, it's not covered, you can't get it. No, that's when have you ever been told that you can't pay for something yourself? Like that's, that's right.
3: Like when you go, when you go to pick up your kids pink stuff, because I think, they you have need a to hire, I
2: think you need to hire Derek for half a million a year.
3: Yeah. I think, I think Derek needs to, or, you know what? Dr. Feldman, when I was on the master this morning, he's like, i about we buy a pharmacy. That's
2: what he
0: was saying.
3: And on I the, said, ah, the chat.
4: Yeah. And not, you know what? Very profitable you never right know. Now. Don't do it.
0: I see a lot of activity in the chat between the rap report, Dr. Feldman, Steve, we got, uh, Ralph William that checked in all of our usual listeners. We quite active in the chat today. We had a lot of people follow, listen live. We appreciate all the questions, all the feedback, please. If you, if you're interested in supporting Claudia, Claudia, tell them where to go.
3: Can I answer a few questions in
5: this chat room? <laughs> yeah. Is there any more?
4: Can I? Can I throw one question at Claudia? Here? Absolutely. So, sure. Claudia, Claudia, I don't know if you're into the whole uh, like documentary type stuff, but have you ever seen the? It's called the Oxycontin Express. I think it was. Well, like a, it was like a PBS I have not, documentary. I
3: I haven't, and I probably will not. I won't watch that. I won't watch the pharmacist. That goes back to the, the beginning of our conversation. Right. Well, just, when I when I when I watch these things, I get a knotted stomach and it sets me back. So and, and this, I know what's happening would, now.
4: That this one would totally do that to you too. But if weed, we
0: could send you something.
4: If if anybody um, you know kind of wants to look at it. it's a real eye-opener so it was a lot of stuff that was it's about what happened in florida with the florida pain clinics with the whole the reason why one of the chains had their warehouse raided by 30 dea guys Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night um it's interesting it's something that happened right before i got licensed so i kind of only caught the tail end of it in terms of like hey you know, now that you're licensed, you're on duty, like this is what's going on. But it's it's a good watch, even just reading about it, it it's a good read.
2: Even it's though a, you're a legal drug dealer, you'll still get treated like a crack dealer.
4: Legit, I this <laughs> this documentary is crazy. It's, you know, it's about uh, people going all up and down I-75 to hit these pain clinics. And, and it's, it's one of the things that kind of put us into the situation where we are now. It's kind of the reason that the pendulum right. has swung so far right. the other way.
3: Yeah. And I, there was a situation and I, and I understand that there was, and I, you know, when I, when I meet with my lawmakers, um, I get it. I was like, yeah, there was a situation. The situation is gone. It's not happening. And now we have created the pain patient genocide. I just want to answer a few questions. Somebody's talking about a lobbyist. Believe it or not, in our country, we only have one lobbyist and that's Cindy Steinberg. And she's with the U.S. Pain Foundation. Dr. Feldman and myself will be shadowing Cindy in 2021. We will be in D.C. Um, the reason I, I was fortunate to have legislation passed the House unanimously in Rhode Island was to, um, we can't touch anything on a federal issue, everybody, because we're, we're COVID, uh, we've got the election, so we're in a standstill. But what you can do now is you can start working on legislation and get it sponsored in your state Take a copy of mine and tailor it to fit your state and throw in a clause about the pharmacies and pick up the phone and speak with the pharmacy board and say, look, I'm an advocate. I want to sit down with somebody. How can we get this issue resolved? It's a lot of time, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication in finding a cure, um, air quotes or our situation. Don't forget, make sure you reach out, pick up the phone. This is a voting year. Get on that phone with your local rep your senator. They want those seats, make them earn it. And don't forget, get on and protest October 7th.
0: There you go. I'm done now. All right. Thank you. It was a great Derek, show. Thank you.
4: Yeah. Anytime.
0: Derek. We want to thank Derek um from CV uh CVS. And then we want to thank always Claudia Mirandi, Don't Punish Pain Rally doctor patient forum. Make sure you check it out. Check out the daily addict. Thank you.